Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli. I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. This is Pam Shriver. This is Yannick Noah, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello, everybody. It is day two of the US Open. We have so much tennis to talk about. And Matt Roberts and myself, David Law, are sitting outside in the rain underneath an umbrella. So we're sort of uh, navigating a big umbrella. Um, what do you call this post that is sticking out of the ground and we've moved to either side of it because we're trying to sort of position ourselves so that we don't get absolutely drenched with our laptops but that's what's um, suspended play on on some of the courts it's uh, 11 o'clock at night inside the Arthrash Stadium is Naomi Osaka under a roof thank goodness they put a roof on this place um, so there is still tennis going on but um, yeah we're, we're trying to give you the full experience of new york matt you've had heat you've had humidity <laughs> you've we've had two two cold ac and now you're getting thunderstorms welcome <laughs> yes and, and a lot of wind today as well that, that, that felt like a really big factor in in the tennis i watched the wind and yes not only have we got the umbrellas hopefully looking after us and i did notice that the Arthur Ashe roof actually sort of extends above the stadium and out of the stadium and we're sort of we're sort of under that a bit as well it's so, I'm so thankful for it being such an enormous roof yeah thank goodness for that well look uh, Catherine isn't with us this evening we've sent her home because it was getting seriously late and I saw her call time today uh, for tomorrow is 7.30 in the morning so uh, there'll be lots of evenings when she's able to join us not today uh, so we're going to keep the ship afloat for the tennis podcast we've got loads and loads to talk about including the defeat of last year's women's champion Emma Raducanu we'll be getting into that we've just been to her press conference loads and loads of big names have been in action today as well including Rafael Nadal so lots to get our teeth stuck into but don't forget our competition as well for an AO travel package that means one friend of the tennis podcast is going to receive two packages For two people with two return economy flights, accommodation, four days of amazing tickets for you and your guest and a premium experience in the atrium, which means you get to go and have fancy drinks overlooking the city. I mean, 
I, I just want to go and do that now, except that I've got the US Open to enjoy first. Um, but yes, basically, you've got to become a friend of the Tennis Podcast if you're not already. Uh, then you'll get a link in your welcome email in order to enter. If you're already a friend and you just haven't got around to entering yet, look out for our newsletter tomorrow. Or if you don't receive the newsletter for whatever reason, email us friends at tennispodcast.net and we'll send you the link to enter. But that is an amazing competition prize courtesy of AO Travel. Go and have a look at ozopentravel.com to see all the stuff they do. Um, and uh, if you don't win, then maybe you'll want to sort out your own experience with them anyway. They do the whole thing for you. The US Open is our attention for tonight, though. Day two. I can't believe it's only day two. It feels like so much is happening at this tournament. It's extraordinary. It really is. I mean, I thought yesterday was a tough act to follow with upsets and the Serena show and actually I think Tuesday at the US Open should give itself a pat on the back because I think it has followed yesterday it's it's been stunning so many good matches you know stretch right across the day and it's been a lot it's been tiring yeah. um and Raducanu was just in press conference and gave perhaps the most relatable quote of the entire tournament saying I want to go to bed <laughs> uh, obviously we're loving it but we are very tired as well and uh the the Czech journalist next to me in the radio room, I've, I felt sorry for him today because, as we know, the Czechs are a sort of tennis empire, aren't they? They just have players everywhere. And he seems to be a one-man band covering them. He was there at 11 o'clock when there were five Czechs in action. He was reporting on all of them at once. And he was still there at 10 o'clock at night when uh, Katerina Siniakova was finishing up. I mean, just the most extraordinary long days here at the US Open. <laughs> they sure are. Did, did Katerina Sinyak have a win? Do we know? I believe she did. Oh. Oh, well. So he's ended on a positive ended note. Ended his day well. Okay. Uh, because, I, I mean, that is the thing, isn't it? When you're covering your nation's players, I mean, I think, generally speaking, journalists do want their nation's players to win. I mean, often, often it's good for business, but I think that there is... Well, is it a bit of pride in following a player, isn't there, and hoping mm. that they, they do well from your nation? Yeah, totally. We, we experience that with the Brits, don't we? Yeah, and actually there are five British players now through to the second round of the US Open, which I was hearing today is the first time since 1981. Wow. Which uh, is, is quite something, and if, uh, if Emma Raducanu had joined them, it would have been six and, and even longer since that last happened. But um, let's start with Raducanu. She is last year's champion. She is no longer a reigning champion, and she was beaten 6-3, 6-3 by Elise Cornet of France, who I thought was absolutely brilliant today. She had a, a bit of a wobble when the roof closed for the rain that they clearly knew was coming. My word, do they know how to do weather forecasts here? Mm. Because they saw this coming, and mid-match, mid-second set on there, on the Louis, Louis, Louis Armstrong Arena, and, and also at the same time in the Arthur Ashe Stadium where Rafael Nadal was playing, the, the roof just started to creep closed, didn't it? It's got two sides, and they just started to meet in the middle. Yes, I don't know what it says about my observation skills, but I was in the stadium and didn't notice. <laughs> well, Alize Cornet very much did notice. She really did, Because she? she just suddenly unleashed three double faults in one game to be broken back. And, and I, th I mean, look, I can understand that, because the issue is, if you look up into the sky when the roof is open at night, it is black. And if you look up when the roof is closed, suddenly you're looking at white metal mm. beams all across, and it must be visually very different, particularly when it's actually closing at the time. Yes, and I think that 
visual difference was the main difference because actually the conditions in the stadium I, I mentioned the wind at the top of the show and th- those blustery conditions were such a factor during the match and actually because the Louis Armstrong Stadium is sort of open around the sides it, it remained windy even when the roof was put on I think that was why I didn't notice it wasn't like suddenly the elements were gone but yeah after after she'd had that little wobble at Lise Cornet she got her game back together and I agree with you. I, I thought she was excellent in the way she has been all year in the slams. I've, I've always quite liked Elise Cornet, just you know the way she, she sort of unapologetically is happy to cause a bit of trouble, and, uh, and I mean that in a good way, you know, trouble in terms of beating high-ranked opponents and just being an awkward player to face. I've always liked that. I've really become an Elise Cornet fan this year I think at the slams just watching her I watched her in Australia where she beat Muguruza and Halep uh, she had a good match against Ostapenko in, in Paris obviously the Shviontek match at Wimbledon and the fact that she's doing all of this having her best slam year when she's pretty much said it's going to be her last full season on tour I think she plans to go to the French Open next year at least I just find pretty remarkable and I think she's sort of playing the best tennis of her life in these big occasions, mm. handling her emotions really well was what she said to Brad Gilbert in the on-court interview and yeah, she was she was really hard for Emma Raducanu to play against I think we all thought that would be a tricky draw and it absolutely was and especially in really tough conditions. I'd have to say I'll believe it when I see it in terms of it being her last year and yes, may right, play yeah. French Open next year but I'm not sure she has a love for this sport. She does. She loves racking up these records of of successive tournaments played. I think that's sixty three now. She's she's played in uh, Grand Slam tournaments, which is now a record. Um, and 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 I I don't know. I just I just think she's gonna. It's gonna take something to stop her carrying on. I mean, physically, if she's able to carry on doing it, because she she is getting better in some ways mm. and she had her first ever quarter final didn't she this year at the Australian Open but in this match I think it it pretty much went as I expected it to go because the moment that draw was made I thought she's going to love this she's yeah. going to love playing the big star the defending champion the player who everybody's talking about the young up and coming player who who could be the future of the sport for the next 10 to 15 years and here's Cornet with a big spotlight on her and a chance to knock her out and claim all that spotlight for herself because she does love a bit of that. And look, even a few days out from the tournament when the draw was made, she tweeted effectively that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, nothing will stop me from, from being there. You know, she loves it. She did the same to Serena Williams at Wimbledon. She did the same to Igor Sviantec ending the 37-match winning streak. This, is, this was so up Elise Cornet's street and... I mean, look, I don't know whether this was coincidental or accidental, but I f- it was almost like the sort of mind games were starting in in the warmer period before this match because we were commentating on it on BBC Radio and, and, and as we waited for the players to come out, you've got in the this sort of little area court, which is a, the players' area, and they get to warm up. There's an area where they, they can do some exercises and run around after a ball, etc., etc. And Raducanu was going through a pretty intense warm-up. And just a few feet away to her left was Elise Cornet in a pretty 
intimate embrace with her boyfriend um, <laughs> for quite some minutes. Uh, and, and it must have been in the peripheral vision of Emirate Cardo from what we were seeing on the screen. I mean, unfortunately, it's one of these tournaments it's increasingly the case where surveillance is a big thing and and it's all broadcast to the world's uh, viewers and media um and uh, and it was quite comical when um the, he's actually listed as as her coach in the the media notes um can't remember his name now but up popped his name on the screen during the match and it just said elise corne's friend not coach not boyfriend just friend but anyway um, he was visible a lot during the match really rapturous applause and and encouragement for for Corne and there's a lot of engagement my word was she giving him a hard time at various points as as she always does but the way she played I don't even think I don't think Raducanu played badly today I thought she struck the ball well she just could not hit through that brick wall at the other end. Who was getting everything back? Yeah. I mean, some of what Corne does is just just plain mean. I mean, the way she uses her drop shots and the way she comes forward. I think she was really successful at the net tonight. And, yeah, she revels in it. She revels in disrupting and causing a bit of mayhem and making life difficult for an opponent. And she did all of that today. I thought... I thought Raducanu's serve was not as good as I've seen it in the it's, past. It was nothing like a year ago, was no, it? No, absolutely not. And still, the forehand is is a wing that you can target. I think as as her opponent. Um, and once again, I did feel like sort of way to shot was a little bit of an issue sometimes on on the forehand in particular. Uh, and the, and the and the conditions were tricky. It was it was really it was really tough night to play good tennis. Um, but basically, I think Cornet defended really well as well and put the ball in awkward spots and defended sometimes with high balls, sometimes with low balls. And Raducanu just couldn't quite pick her way through those defenses consistently. And in the end, it was a pretty straightforward win for Corne really I mean other than that other than that rally from Raducanu at the start of the second set yeah when she she got herself a break of serve she was 3-1 up at one point and um, yeah it, it looked like, it looked like it was on really for her but Corne just dug in and kept on digging in and uh, and eventually got the win and, and I think she was very well worth it um it was interesting in the press comments afterwards. Um, we, we we all, as a British media pack, went in and spoke to Raducanu, who who wore a, a, a purple cap, which she pulled quite fiercely over her eyes. And I got the sense that wasn't by accident and almost like a, a blinkers situation. And, and, I, and I, I really get it. it, it it's, it's a lot that she's had to to contend with so much so many wonderful moments for her over the over the last 12 months but if you actually look back at the tournament win itself last year that was 100% joyous at the moment at the moment it happened there were no negatives that i could see and nobody was criticizing her and nobody was asking her doubting her questioning her um, or anything and she wasn't either she was just freewheeling and loving every minute of it. And frankly, the last 12 months, whilst exciting and um, lucrative and, and promising for the future, has been full of difficult 
things as well and and some very disturbing things for Emma Raducanu we think of the 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 stalker that she's had to deal with and and has gone to court over and um, you know all the conversation she's in everybody's conversation in the UK whenever she plays and and I don't always agree with a lot of what's said about her and it must be really weird when it's being said about you and you've got to try and ignore it or or deal with it or whatever it might be and and actually in 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 the interviews the questions that she was answering today I found I thought she was very candid and honest about how she was feeling I mean aside from straightforward disappointment which she admitted to she, she said she felt quite sad and and that she'd gone out in the first round but Mike Dixon of the, the male asked her very gently really whether there's any part of her that might not feel that it's a blow going forward because she can now actually go and play the sport without reigning champion next to her name and and go and I always think have to learn the sport develop like a normal player would but without this US Open champion tag hanging around her neck and and the, the fact is we heard Jimmy Connors in a US Open relived show from a few days ago slagging off Pete Sampras for saying something like that because he won the title in 1990 and, and he said immediately in 91 when he lost against Jim Courier in the quarterfinals that it's like a bag of bricks has been lifted from my shoulders and um, Raducanu wasn't as explicit as that but she said I can now start with a clean slate and maybe it does remove the target from my back and that's the first time I've ever heard her say that I've heard a lot of pundits say she's got a target on her back because she's now this big name but there was her voicing that Um, and this completely unique set of circumstances of teenage champion out of nowhere winning a Grand Slam and then trying to learn how to become a pro um, is finally kind of at full circle and she now gets the chance to do that yeah, I was really pleased, I think, that she used that term, clean slate. You know, I think, obviously, there's immense disappointment in the moment, but I do suspect in the coming days there will be some kind of relief, actually. And I was, I was talking to Catherine earlier, and she'd had Tim Henman on the Amazon Prime video coverage, and obviously Tim Henman is, you know, working very closely, I think, with the Raducanu camp. He's... He, he's part of it really he's he's involved and he's been using the phrase that this US Open is a is a sort of line in the sand moment you know which is a similar idea I think now to clean slate you know it's a full year New York will always be a special place that you, no one will ever be able to take away what happened to Raducanu last year it was an incredible experience but life moves on and I think Raducanu now will be able to move on I hope a little bit as well Um, there's obviously still going to be immense attention on her but I just think there will be hopefully some lower expectations her ranking I think is going to drop to around 80 in the world seems to be what she's looking at she might actually end up British number two because uh, Harriet Dart if she wins her match tomorrow will go above Redekano in the rankings after the US Open and I just think, yeah, she, she, she's going to be able to play with a little bit more freedom, I hope, over the next few months. And, yeah, I mean, I I just can't imagine how much her life has changed in, in the last 12 months. You know, everyone 
knows who she is. And I say that. I did actually walk into the Louis Armstrong Stadium next to possibly the only person in the whole complex who didn't seem to know because <laughs> she, she was she was walking up and her friend was explaining to her, this is Radhikanu who won the title last year. And I just thought, where have you been? <laughs> uh, but I do think, absolutely, this is... This is a fresh start now for Adekanu in a way. Yeah. And, you know, with that comes some excitement as well. She Obviously, it's very fresh after the match and she wasn't able to tell us what her exact plans were. I don't think she knows exactly, but she did say she might want to play some of the 250s mm. that are, are left this year and, and begin that clean slate now and, and quite enjoy, I think, the process of building back up and uh, and trying to work things out in, in that regard. She, the, the one comment that did slightly surprised me where she she says i know it sounds a bit weird but you know maybe i'd like to win something else you know these 250s because i've, I've already been there and done that with the us open <laughs> which i thought was quite amusing um but anyway she won't be winning the 2022 us open because radicano is out and she's not the only grand slam champion who lost today because elena rebacca lost in straightforward fashion to clara burrell 6464 um, she didn't seem too happy out there either. No, it was out on court 12, wasn't it? And very much... Very much in hindsight, I probably should have seen this coming, to be honest, because given all the comments that she gave in that press conference, which we really praised, you know, we were pleased that she spoke her mind, but it was clear that her mind was quite frustrated by the treatment she'd received since since Wimbledon and, and I suppose you might think well she's going to be out there to try and prove a point but maybe she just wasn't in a very good sort of headspace really to to sort of back that up and you know in reality I obviously put her in my quarters or semis I can't remember but she's gone out in the first round and I do think it, it kind of makes a bit of sense but I was still I was still shocked to be honest uh, because Burrell had qualified and save match points in qualifying, you know, really come through a tight one. I just thought that was probably quite a good draw for Rebecca to work her way in, but no, she's out in in the first round and, and joins a list of, of major champions who, who have lost in the first round at their very next major after after making a breakthrough. That That is today's newsletter stat. There's oh, a tease. Good work. Matt Stat <laughs> is ready to go, folks. So if you don't already receive the newsletter get on the list link is in our show notes uh if you want to sign up and receive our newsletter and, um, and, and i should say i do think rebecca probably is the sort of player who is going to have extremes of results one way or another she plays such a high risk game i yeah. mean it was i was kind of amazed it lasted as long as it did during wimbledon i do think a performance like this where sort of double the number of unforced errors to winners even though she's a major champion, she's probably still going to put in those performances. Mm. Just, it's just the nature of her game. But I do think player wins major title, struggles in the next mm. one, is, isn't surprising. No, not at all. You know, because it, it's a lot. It's a lot to deal with. It's only, it's only six weeks ago. Um, so anyway, Elena Rebecca in it, out. Uh, Emma Raducanu out. We've had a couple of other defeats for very high-profile women players as well because Venus Williams has lost today to Alison Van Oytbank uh, 6-1, 7-6 that was on the Ash Court and actually it became very close didn't it that was a dramatic second set um, Williams I mean look she's isn't she 42 now 
that is a, an extraordinary age to still be playing at this sort of level. And I remember watching her playing in her first Grand Slam tournament and reaching the final here 25 years ago. In 1997, she lost out to Martina Hingis in the end there. And, uh, I mean, she still hits a heck of a good ball and moves incredibly well for somebody of that age. And there were none of the sort of ceremony-type moments that we might have expected because who knows whether this is her final tournament we saw what we saw with Serena Williams last night I think her view was let's talk about things after doubles let me uh, all I'm concentrating on is doubles yes and she said that it was Serena's decision to play doubles she said Serena's the boss (laughs) Uh, yeah and I think generally Venus has often ceded the limelight to Serena and let Serena have it and so I just felt that I was pleased that she was on Ash today you know we've talked a lot about how we feel like Wimbledon has maybe slightly mistreated Venus Williams over the past probably 10 years really in terms of some of her court placements to see her get Arthur Ashe Stadium you know the day after Serena got it was pretty special I I felt like I had to go out there and I, I took in that second set I wanted to be there to watch that and as I walked out, I heard someone saying, I'm so glad Venus, Venus played well. And, and she really did in that second set. There's, you know, she still holds herself with such poise and elegance and she's still able to crack a tennis ball. And I really felt like she might win that second set. And she's actually won a tour-level match every year since 1994, Venus Williams. Apart from this year. This is, this is the first year where she hasn't managed to do that. 1994 at least one win every year it's extraordinary 28 years she she deserves to be celebrated and I I think she will be uh, in whatever they choose to do after the doubles because you know she's she's a big part of that as well yeah well I should just add that uh, Elise Cornet's friend has just gone running past us here. Is that in, who that was? In the media garden with a, a rucksack on his back and one racket poking out and he's gone off into the rain and into the night. Um, so anyway, <laughs> I don't know what else to say about that, but that's, that's just happened. <laughs> I saw you looking at him as though I recognise that man. Yeah, been seeing him on my TV screens a lot over the last <laughs> few hours. Um, very kind generous words from Alison von Oetvank by the way about Venus Williams just said she's a legend and you could see how much it meant to her that she'd had the chance to share the court with her for this match and get the win and she played really well mm. yeah she, she really did um, another player that uh, went out today and pretty distressing scenes as well Amanda Anisimova left the court in tears she lost 6-3 6-3 to Yulia Putintseva um, she had a blood pressure checked and um, she said that in, in defeat she'd, she'd actually been suffering from a broken toe sustained in Cincinnati. And, I mean, you know, we didn't know anything about that, did we? And, and um, she's played these two events, Cincinnati and here, with a broken toe. And I feel for her. Yeah, well, she pulled out of Cincinnati after her first match and then posted a photo of herself in a boot uh, so I don't, I don't quite know when the broken toe happened but she said she had some injections which she said actually hurt more than the injury she gave her best but just just wasn't enough I, I, I really felt like this could be a big US Open for her she's played good tennis this year but also a tough first match against Putin Saver who 
you know, brings a certain intensity and energy to every single match and is, you know, she's going to sense any little vulnerability or weakness and just, just absolutely pounce on it. And, and this never had chances. She just couldn't couldn't take her break points today. Mm. Um, I, I feel I should name check uh, Elise Corne's friend, Julian Homaya. I've just looked it up. So I'll try to remember Julian's name next time I see him running past uh, shortly before midnight. Um, there were some players that uh, that won matches today. We've focused on most of the ones that have lost, haven't we? But those are the big stories of the day. Igor Sviantek was one of those that won the world number one. 6-3-6 love over Jasmine Paolini. She now faces Sloane Stevens, who came back from 6-1-2 love down against Greet Minnan and won 6-3 in the third. That's um, 12 of the last 16 games that Stevens won in order to win that match. I mean, it sets up a tantalising second-round match between between Sviantek and Stevens, but contrasting ways of coming through. I was impressed with Sviantek. I watched uh, a fair bit of that on uh, the screen while we were commentating one of, the, one of the other matches. Paolini didn't have a good day today, but Sviantek just took it to her. You know, she didn't give her a chance to settle. Stevens, I didn't watch that, but... That's a heck of a good comeback. It is. And in a way, I kind of think it makes her a little bit more dangerous, the fact that she's fought through a match like that. Because we know Sloane Stevens can play Rolls-Royce tennis. You know, she's, her tennis is fantastic when she gets going. Whether it's good enough to beat Igor Sviantek, I don't know. But I think the fact that she's... You know, getting inspired in a match and battling and locking herself in, those are good signs for her going into a match against Igor Sviantek, which I guess will be a, you know, sort of prime time match. That's going to be that's going to be quite something. So yeah, and I think she did a similar thing at the French Open, didn't she? Where she played, I, I want to say it was Costea. She was down a set and I think a break, and then suddenly reeled off a, a streak of games to win the match, and then kept it going in, in her next couple of matches before eventually losing in the quarterfinals there so I was you know I was obviously looking at that scoreline thinking what on earth is going on with Stan Stevens you know when she's barely in the match but the fact that she came through it I do think makes her a bit dangerous but yeah. as you said Sviantek played well as well and I think that's the fourth opening round match of a slam this year where she's won a six love set you know she just starts with real authority as she means to go on yeah it's impressive uh Garbini Muguruza got a good win today 6-3-7-6 over Clara Towson um Jessica Pagula a winner too uh we had Paola Bedosa coming from a set down to beat Leslie Serenko 6-3 in the third and it also says here that I didn't know Matt because it feels like about two days ago but it's uh start of the day uh today that uh, you focused your attentions on Yelena Ostapenko against Shang Chin Wen tell us about that I enjoyed these two hours a lot <laughs> I can tell <laughs> it was really great because yes Ostapenko was playing Zheng Chin Wen she was also battling Hawkeye live I mean I have never seen anything like it she was just, I, I don't even know if she was convinced that every Zhang Chinwen serve was out, but she was <laughs> gesturing that they were. I mean, literally, she couldn't get a read on the serve, and Zhang hit 12 aces in the first set alone. 
Wow. And Ostapenko wasn't reading it. And literally after pretty much every single one, she went up to the line, tapped the court where she thought it had landed, put her arms out as, sort of to gesture at how far out she thought it was, threw her arms up in the air. It was just absolutely classic Ostapenko in all of the fun ways. And uh, at one point, the crowd really started cheering for Zhang Wen and... Ostapenko just put her finger in, fingers in her ears as, as though she was sort of blocking out the haters. Um, and then she worked her way back into the match and ended up leading by a break in the third set. And I was really impressed with Jung Chim Wen to fight back. And her tennis is really, really coming on. She's, she's, she's going to be seeded, I think, at these slams before too long and I think that would be a relief for everyone yeah. because you don't want to play her early. And, Not at all. Yeah, it was a really... Um, really great handshake as well and I mean great in that it, it was stroppy from Ostapenko because <laughs> she'd, she'd already walked around the, the net she was packing her bags and just sort of flung her hand out at Chung Chim Wen as she walked past I don't even think looked at her it was, you know, I know lots of people will hate that but I enjoyed it <laughs> what the opponent feels like at that moment. I, mean, I, imagine, I, I, think, think, I think she embraced the Agro elements of it actually, and well, you can always fall back on them. sort of I won, yeah, totally, <laughs> can't you? Uh, which, which always helps. Um, the other notable story from the women's draw is the final Grand Slam match of Andrea Petkovic, who lost to Belinda Bencic in three sets. That's a sort of the close sort of match that you would hope that Petkovic would have because it sums up her career. She has always been a fighter. She's always given everything. She's always been in the most fantastic condition. You know, she's a great athlete. She puts so much hard work into the sport. She clearly loves the sport. That's always come across. And she is going to be missed as a tennis player. I mean, I just, I just hope she directs some of her vast energy into the sport in the future because I feel like she's got so much to offer. I mean, she's a brain. Somebody I find fascinating to listen to. Um, and yeah, it's um, it's it's sad that she's stopped, but or she's going to stop. Everybody has to. But I think you know, it was a nice moment to to have a good competitive match for the final one. It was really fitting because, as you say, the two things I associate most with Petkovic are on court grit and fight, and she displayed all of that today, and off court intelligence and. Uh, she's so interesting to listen to. She always has, you know, her, her, her press conferences are must attend. They really are. And she gave a great one today as well, really reflecting on everything. And I think she has left the door open a little bit to maybe play some European events, but it's her last Grand Slam match for sure. She said she doesn't want really to stop. She still loves it, as you said, but her body just keeps keeps letting her down. She said the last five days she's been sort of crying every practice you know knowing knowing what was coming she said I don't know how Serena is doing it with all the attention on her which is you know several times that which is on Petkovic she gave a funny line that she said she was coming to terms with with the decision to stop in Cincinnati but she said I wasn't going to pull a Bartley and retire in Mason Ohio (laughs) (laughs) and then she just gave I thought a, a brilliant summation of what the WTA has meant to her and being part of the WTA and I know we're going to talk about 
uh, Mary Carrillo getting the Georgina Clark Award and, you know, when Catherine's back on the show. But one of our big takeaways from that night was just how how connected those players, those WTA players of the past, are to the sport, to each other, and the shared history and that, that shared sense of, yes, they're individual athletes, but they're also building something together. And we sometimes bemoan the fact that modern day players maybe don't quite have that sense and that's probably just the price that we have to pay now for the fact that all the great work that Chris Ever, Pam Shriver Martina Navratilova, Mary Carrillo did, Billie Jean King did to build the tour to what it is so that the players of today can you know more selfishly just think about themselves but Petkovic just said she's so grateful to have been part of the, of the WTA tour playing alongside amazing players competing with them and she just gets it you know she just understands how how important that tour is and how important it's been to her life really and yeah it was it was amazing words you should definitely check out the transcript on that it was it I was will. special oh well uh, I, th- I think a lot of andrea pekovic that's fantastic right rafael nadal got his us open underway we haven't seen him play a match uh, apart from the one he played in Cincinnati since Wimbledon, of course, because of that uh, that injury he had. And this was not straightforward. He he won it. He won it 4-6-6-2-6-3-6-3 against Rinki Hijikata of Australia, who was ranked 198 in the world and got a wild card here. And he played fabulously well, didn't he? He's a, he's a real shot maker. But Nadal may be understandably a bit rusty. What did you think from what you, you saw? I mean... I sense that I don't know whether he's trying to whether he's having to just manage this uh, this injury or whether he's maybe a little bit concerned and fearful and and cautious or whether it's just rust. Yeah, I didn't see huge amounts because I was mostly watching Raducanu, but from what I gather, there was a sense that he wasn't quite playing with full intensity, uh, and I, I have to think that is something to do with the injury. I think his service motion looks a little bit different maybe maybe the ball toss is I don't know a little bit lower perhaps or just his body position is just just to my eye just looks a little bit different so I think he's made some adjustments there Higgy Carter really played well I, I loved how much he seemed to embrace the occasion and he's got a he's got great hands and great shot maker and Nadal did have to find a good level to beat him and he finished the match with the most incredible forehand winner up the line and We'll see what he says in his press conference, but I just think it's about match time and getting through matches and building for Nadal. And yeah. you know, overall, it's a probably a pretty pretty positive night. Yeah, he's got Fabio Fanini next. <laughs> uh, who will ever forget Fanini coming back from two sets to love down to beat Nadal here a few years ago? What did Fanini do today? <laughs> He came back from two sets to love down to beat Aslan Karatsev. Classic Fanini. Um, so that's going to be really interesting to watch in a couple of days' time, isn't it? Uh, mind you, by the way, we've just heard the most ex- astonishing roar coming from Arthur Ashe Stadium where Naomi Osaka and Danielle Collins are playing. I think it was a Collins winner. Uh, they are in a first set tie break. It's 6-5 at the moment. Well, we're going to get on the bus in a little while after we've finished discussing the men. And, uh, and once we get back, we'll watch it on the bus and we'll hear about what's going on and we'll uh, come back on and just uh, update you with who, en- who ended up winning that match. Um, 
What else is going on in the men's draw at the moment? Cameron Norrie of Great Britain was a winner. Six love, seven six, six love over Benoit Paire. You have thoughts on this match, don't you, David? I have thoughts. I commentated <laughs> on feelings. this match. I commentated on sets one and three. <laughs> and in those two sets, Benoit Paire didn't win a game. And in those two sets, for large parts, Benoit Paire was not trying. And honestly, I thought it was a disgrace. Watching what he was doing was a disgrace. I feel sorry for him. I know he's had a lot of problems. He's had mental health issues over the last couple of years that he's told us all about. And I understand them. Uh, I relate. I feel for him. And, you know, I don't want to jump to judgment based on it too quickly. But at the same time, there were so many people in that crowd who wanted to see him put his best effort in. And for two out of the three sets, he just didn't. And, I mean, in the second one, he tried his heart out. I understand, I mean, look, it's debilitating. Lots of players have retired. But just watching him walk around in a strop, hitting ridiculous strokes and then walking off and waiting for Norrie to hit a winner behind him and, and he's just on the way to the chair. And, and he was deliberate. I think, look, I may be wrong, I think at the end he was deliberately double faulting. And um, he... He got to a point late on in the third set or, or into the third set. We were one game in, and I said, he's not going to win another game in this set. I was right. I don't get many predictions right, but I got that right. Um, about three, love, I said, I think he'll win three more points. He won five more, and two of them were unforced errors from, from Norrie. I mean, it was just so obvious what was going to happen. And the guy's won $80,000 today. I know he's earned his place in the draw with his ranking. I mean, he only just did it. He's ranked 173 in the world at the moment because all of his Cincinnati points from last year dropped off. Um, so he's not going to be getting in main draws of, of Grand Slams. He's going to have to go through qualifying. He did say afterwards, look, I feel mentally fried. I feel frazzled out here and I've just, I need to take a break. And again, I understand it. And I, But it was, it was a rough watch. And Cameron Norrie went about his business the way he always does. But don't want to be watching that. I don't really have anything to add. Yeah. I think you've said it. I suppose it was just exacerbated by the fact that Cameron Norrie, polar opposite, down the other end of the court. You know, it, it was in stark contrast to each other, those two players. Yeah. So anyway, Norrie Strew, he plays Joao Sosa next. And um, I asked Norrie actually afterwards, what, what would represent a result that you wouldn't be happy with at this tournament? Ooh. Because I've often asked him what would be one that you would be happy with, and they never give you that. <laughs> and he, he said, I want to get to my, I, I would be disappointed if I didn't get to my seeded position. You know, and that's quarterfinals. So I would be too, Cam. You're in my predictions. <laughs> And that's more important than your <laughs> blooming US Open hopes, Cam. <laughs> All right? Um, so, anyway, he's through, as is Britain's Dan Evans. Good day for the Brits, apart from Emerald Decano. 6 4 6 1 6 1 over James Duckworth. Sorry, um, over Yuri Vesely today, and he now faces James Duckworth in round two. Um, there was a lot of fun going on between Carlos Alcaraz and Sebastian Baez, who we remember from the French Open, don't we, when he faced Alexander Zverev and he had him in real trouble. What a shot maker. From the back of the court, I love watching Baez play tennis. I don't know whether I'm pronouncing his name right, am I? Yeah, I think you are. Oh, yeah, he's, he's really goes for it on the forehand. Got such racket head speed. And this was, for two sets, 
I think, the best tennis I've watched all tournament. The rallies were incredible. At one point, Alcaraz got a hole in his shoe because he was having to cover so much court. You know, Baez was pulling him all over the place. Uh, lobs, drop shots, exhausting, grueling rallies, fun rallies. And I just felt like it was a really interesting match to watch through the perspective of some quotes that Alcaraz gave in the lead-up to the tournament in Spanish, where he, where he spoke about feeling la obligación de ganar, the obligation to win, is what he now feels when he steps on court, compared to what he used to feel, and he spoke really openly about how it used to just be about making minor improvements and enjoying himself. And I always think that's one of the things I've loved about Alcaraz's tennis. It really looks like he is enjoying himself, you know, he... He described his own tennis as fun and dynamic, didn't he? And I just, I just love that. It comes across. And I just think he's at this phase in his career now where he's trying to balance those two things together. The obligation to win, but also wanting to have fun on court. And he said against Tommy Paul in uh, Canada, the pressure, the obligation to win overtook the fun. And today, it was such a fun match. He just couldn't not be having fun on there because the rallies were just amazing. At one point, he saved a break point with a cross-court tweener that had sort of slice on it. It was just, it was just <laughs> a joke. And, the, old, um, the old slice tweener. <laughs> yeah. And yet, at the same time, he needed to win this match. You know, round one of a slam would have been an immense disappointment, no matter how well Baez was playing. It would have been really crushing if he hadn't won and it was it was tight and obviously Baez ended up having to retire in the third set but I just felt like Alcaraz did manage those two things pretty well and he played really good tennis at the end of each set when it really mattered and yeah I'm just fascinated by him at the moment and I'm I, I seek out his matches I really really do to mm. show what pressure does even mm players like Raducanu and Alcaraz who I'm sure don't seek out media coverage of themselves but it can't not infiltrate their subconsciousness at the very least what's going on around them um, and they, they start to feel it um, it's just human nature what else has happened today we've had wins for Denis Shapovalov, much needed one as well of course, five sets over Mark Andre Hussler uh, David Goffin served for the match three times, but lost to Lorenzo Massetti in a deciding set tiebreak. Oh, he served for the match three Ouch. times. Yeah, 5-2 up in the fifth, double break. Massetti got it back. Massetti gave it away, so Goffin served for it again at 6-5, lost it again. Goffin took the lead in the deciding set tiebreak. And Rossetti ended up winning. I was following it all on on live scores and just couldn't believe my eyes. Yeah. What do you What do you think Goffin is doing right now? I mean, do you reckon, you know, is he in some bar, Hope drowning so. in his sorrows, I mean, is, or is he just lying there looking at the ceiling, replaying it all? I hope he's in a bar. Yeah. Oh. Sorry, David. I hope you hope you have a better day tomorrow. But anyway, well done, Lorenzo. Uh, other matches uh, that went on of note today in the men's draw: Andre Rublev and Yannick Sinner both needed five sets to win today. So did Borna Chorich. Goodness me, quite something. And Sinner. The scenes when Sinner finally managed to get the better of Daniel Altmaier. He, he was he was suddenly joyous. We saw that 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 kind of steely disposition of his crack finally um it's a good win ends up being a good win it does yes i think 
our WhatsApp group was alive with, oh my goodness, Yannick Sinner is emoting. <laughs> and it was, it was like uh, when we saw him play in the Davis Cup, you know, last year in Italy or in, or in the ATP finals in Italy. Just brought out a slightly different side of him. And I actually only tuned into that match at the start of the fifth set. And that was when it all started happening. And he, he was immediately down break points. And I thought, goodness, he could be going out here, Sinner. Altmaier was playing really well. But I loved the way he stepped up when he was down break points. Battled through, played assertive tennis, came forward, got the crowd going. The point he played to eventually get the break himself was absolutely stunning. And I think having that test might might end up standing him in good stead and the one who was probably closest to losing however was Chorich you know the the Cincinnati champion the form player he was he was down a break in that final set and ended up I think winning the last four games and that's a really strong mental physical effort I don't think he was feeling his best and just feel like that is not a win that would have happened without Cincinnati you know we often talk about sort of baked in confidence I think he's got it and he hadn't won a lot of matches prior mm. to Cincinnati he'd been losing matches like this but he managed to fight through and he moves a little bit closer to that third round meeting with Alcaraz which I've still got my eye on oh yeah looking forward to that look it's uh, five to midnight we're going to run for the bus uh, but we'll be back to let you know what happens with Naomi Osaka and Daniel Collins when we get off the bus uh, first set has gone to Collins on a tie break 7-5 Jack Sock's still having a go by the way he's two sets to love up but five have done in the third against Diego Schwartzman thank goodness for Roofs we'll be back in a bit ready to pop the question the jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. 
It's a bit of a happening bus, this, isn't it? Blimey. Uh, no, we didn't make the bus in the end. <laughs> Matt and I were on the way out, and uh, then we suddenly realised, you know what, we stood right next to the Arthur Ashe Stadium with Naomi Osaka against Daniel Collins in it. Let's go in. We had a much better idea. <laughs> yes, we sure did. Most places are better than the media shuttle bus. <laughs> yes. The Arthur Ashe Stadium is significantly better. <laughs> it is. And we, we arrived just, well, early stages of set two, first set i mean from all accounts sounds like it was an absolute belter chris clary saying it feels like round one in another sport which i assume he means boxing because sounds like they just went toe to toe and we're we're knocking lumps out of each other collins got the set and then we joined it in in set two What, what did you make of what we saw it's collins who's won the match but what happened in that second set well i think I think that first set, the general consensus is that's the best tennis of the tournament so far. Two players just capable of hitting the ball so sweetly and they were both doing exactly that. Just couldn't take your eyes off it sort of thing. Unless you were recording a podcast, in which case you couldn't have eyes on it. Uh, But apparently just amazing. And then I think in the second set, maybe not quite as high level. But Collins was brilliant, you know, and... Felt like Osaka was maybe overhitting a little bit in, in, in some of the crucial stages in that second set, but Collins just clearly determined to get that done in two sets. There was just a intensity to her. She was pinning Osaka back a little bit, and yeah, just just an incredible performance from Collins. And I heard the pre-match interview with uh, Pam Shriver with doing the interview with both players, and a question she asked them both was where well, you've not been able to stay fit, you've not been able to stay healthy. That's kind of been the story of their season. And tonight, I just think it's a reminder of just how great they can play and how much better the sport is when they are playing well because yeah. they're great people, they're great in the interview room, and they're great on the court as well. You can't can't take your eyes off their tennis when they're playing like that. Yeah, and the, the music you can hear is actually from the Arthur Ashe Stadium court. We're standing right outside. It's at quarter to one in the morning, and people filtering out. Still an incredible vibe out here. Fortunately, the rain has stopped now. It's still warm, isn't it? I mean, it's incredibly humid still. Uh, it hasn't really cleared that up. Um, but I, I think what it gets back to watching those two play tonight is... Collins is good finding ways to win tennis matches, you know, when it's a scrap. And not to say that Osaka isn't, but Osaka is at her best when she's firing on all centers. And when she is, she can accelerate past just about any player in the world. But that requires that baked-in confidence that we so often talk about. And while she's getting injuries, she isn't getting the chance to establish that baked-in confidence. Yeah, that's right. And, and I'm really pleased that she seems to have been playing at a much higher level tonight than she had been in, in her past few matches. But you're right. I mean, it's, 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 it's a different scenario, but it's, it's similar to what we were saying about Emma Raducanu. I feel like this is a bit of a new slate now for Naomi Osaka as well. This is the first time she hasn't won a slam in a season since 2017 you know she's she's won the slam each of the last four years not this year her ranking is such that she's having to sort of work her way back to the top she's getting really tough draws like Danielle Collins in the first round and it's it's a new challenge for Osaka now and I I just really hope that she rises to it and meets it because I feel like even you know as great as Danielle Collins is I feel like Naomi Osaka going out of the US Open on day two 
is a shame. You know, she yeah. should be in this tournament. This should be a match that was happening a week later, maybe even two weeks' times at a final level. Uh, but yeah, the sport's better when Osaka's playing really well, I think. So hopefully tonight's a first step on that on that road back because yeah. she did play well. Final points. It's quarter to one in the morning, and they've played a straight sets match tonight. Catherine left this place earlier and said, you know, it just shouldn't be happening that they schedule this this women's match second or, or frankly, any women's match second after a best-of-five set men's match in an evening session because inevitably the women will be coming on around 10, 10.30 or worse and people are leaving. It's just, it just doesn't work, that. No, it doesn't, and... I think we've thought that for a long time. I think a lot of people have thought that for a long time. And Venus Williams was actually asked in her press conference today what would be the one thing you would change about tennis. And she said she would get rid of the second night match. She said it's just brutal. And um, obviously we know the issues that came up at the French Open when there was only one night match and lots of scheduling issues there. Uh, But... I still think that was a, a very solvable problem. You know, they could have scheduled it evenly. They just chose not to. Yeah. But, yeah, I, I, I do agree. It is it is ridiculously late mm. to be playing elite sport. Talking of schedules, uh, tomorrow, a few order of play highlights. Arthur Ashe Stadium begins at 12 local time uh, with Andy Murray against Emilio Nava. So that's uh, 5 p.m. in the UK if you want to watch Andy Murray or if you want to listen to us on uh, the BBC Sport website. Coco Goff then comes onto the court. She's up against Elena Gabriela Russa. Uh, on the night session, it's Serena Williams. Of course it is. First up against Annette Contivate, the second seed. Wow. That is something to look forward to. Who's winning that? Who do you think is going to win that? Serena. Oh, I love how you said it, and then you raised your eyebrows <laughs> as if to say, did I say that out loud? Mm, I'm yeah. going to go Serena as well. Uh, and then it's Daniel Medvedev against, uh, what's his first name, Mr. Rindeknek? Artur. Artur. Rinderknecht, yes. Uh, and then we've got uh, on the Armstrong court, we've got Maria Sakkari, Madison Keys, Nick Kyrgios. We've got uh, in the evening session, uh, Jack Draper against Felix Auger-Aliassime. That is a really good match uh, in prospect, as is Bianca Andreescu against Beatriz Haddad Meyer. David. That's an incredible night. Yes, it is. Uh, on the Albeit grand- the matches should be the other way around, as we've just yeah, said. Yeah, of course they should. Uh, grandstand Court, we have Ons Jaber against um, Mandlik. What's yes, the first Elizabeth name? Mandlik. Elizabeth, of course. Hannah Mandlikova's daughter. Uh, Tommy Paul up against Sebastian Corder. Another good match. And uh, Ludmilla Samsonova against Leila Fernandez. Another good match. Oh, there's so many good matches tomorrow. It's going to be amazing. Uh, Victoria Kosmova is mentioned on the agenda. I wonder, wonder who wrote the agenda. <laughs> well, She's on court 17 against Shelby Rogers. It was pointed out to me today that uh, Victoria Kosmova has gone through qualifying without losing a set, beaten Sara Cerebus Tormo, and now faces Shelby Rogers, which is exactly the path that Emma Raducanu took last year. Oh, Just putting it out there. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay, well, we are going to wrap up for the night. Uh, remind you about our US Open mascot, Phoebe, who's amazing. 
Uh, we've got our own mascots. I've got Darwin. Catherine's got Carter. Matt's got the dearly departed Gerald. Uh, Billie Jean King is sponsoring Billie Jean the dog alongside Alana Kloss. Uh, Chris Albert Lee and Carl Weingartner are our executive producers and top blokes. We're going to do shout-outs tomorrow because we're going to run for the bus. <laughs> Bye! 